0: Hello everybody and welcome to this special edition of Pharmacy Magazine's In Conversation with podcast. My name is Richard Thomas and in this episode I talk to the Chief Pharmacist at Boots, Mark Donovan. Mark, who's been at the company for over 16 years, doesn't give many interviews so we were delighted that he agreed to come on the pod. The conversation covers a lot of ground. Pharmacy's workforce crisis, the sector's Covid response and role in flu vaccinations, funding in the contract, Mark sits on PSNC, and why community pharmacy in England is lagging behind the Celtic nations, something that Mark, at the head of pharmacy operations of over 2,200 Boots branches across all four home nations, is uniquely placed to comment upon. But we also talked about pharmacy's fragmented state of mental health and burnouts, And how, without empathy, understanding and kindness, pharmacy as a profession can't hope to progress. We must all do better, he says. It was a fascinating conversation in in many ways. So let's listen to what Mark had to say. Thanks Mark for coming onto the pod. Let's start with something that's very much in the news at the moment. Is there a shortage of pharmacists or not?
1: Thanks, Richard. Well, the, there's a simple uh, answer is that we've no way of knowing, I guess, really. Uh, of, of course, it's not a simple answer anyway. Um, workforce forecasting uh, and workforce matters are particularly complex. I've listened to arguments to say that there's a shortage of pharmacists in community pharmacy, uh, and, and people are citing evidence that it's hard to find pharmacists in particular geographies and anecdotally finding Uh, resource is clearly difficult in some places but but i also in those areas there seems to be enough to fill pcn's or gp roles for example i've also heard people say that there are you know additionally ten thousand pharmacists on the register in the last x many years and and use that as an argument so there's definitely not a shortage for example but but we don't know how many additional roles have been created uh in any sector including this new primary care sector um, or indeed how many of those additional pharmacists are now working part-time or reduced hours, and there's clearly evidence of that. Um, so we haven't got clarity across the profession, let alone the pharmacy community sector, uh, and workforce forecasting is is notoriously difficult to do. You know, it's difficult to do within a, 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 an employer like Boots, let alone a sector or profession. Um, there's so many different moving parts, and and we need more clarity uh, and awareness of those issues, and even if we had the the full picture, of course, it changes, you know, people are people, they move about, uh, they change according to personal circumstances, and and we only work on on snapshots anyway, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, workforce planning is notoriously difficult, as as you say, Mark, and, you know, have we done enough of it in pharmacy over the last period i mean it probably takes 10 years to to plan and implement any workforce changes anyway so have we been asleep on the job well in in 2013
1: the center of workforce intelligence undertook a strategic review of workforce for requirements for pharmacy that was commissioned by the department of health at the time uh, and and i remember it it predicted by 2040 in all the different scenarios that they were uh, predicting that there would be a surplus of uh, pharmacists um, ranging between you know 11,000 to 19,000 surplus pharmacists and, and they recommended a number of different um, actions to be taken to balance that surplus um, and, and, and indeed one of the recommendations was uh, to commit to ongoing monitoring and I quote here the ongoing monitoring and periodic review of supply and demand with a continued drive to improve data around the pharmacy workforce you know, they suggested a five-yearly refresh of their work uh, and and a yearly monitoring, and it simply hasn't happened. Um, we haven't had a census since 2008 either, and and I think lots of people would agree that both the healthcare system and pharmacy has changed quite significantly in the last ten years, um, as well as how people approach work. So. Uh, we are behind the curve, I think, in workforce forecasting and workforce management. And and whether or not people believe there's a a shortage of pharmacists, uh, I I genuinely believe that there is a workforce crisis um, that we've either just about to hit or, or we've already hit.
0: I think I'd say definitely we'd appear to have hit that workforce crisis no, Mark, from, from where I'm sitting. A, a recent survey of ours found that um, around 65% of community pharmacists are considering moving to another sector or, or leaving the profession altogether in the next five years. And that makes you think, is community pharmacy simply a less attractive career option these days? And the lure of roles in general practice, for instance, is, is irresistible?
1: Well, we've seen Community Pharmacy Scotland this week, haven't we, call for a halt in recruitment of health board or GP pharmacist roles as they look to reset uh, and understand the impact of that recruitment on their future workforce. You know, I think that's a really significant moment for community pharmacy Um, and the other devolved nations should look to understand their workforce picture further too. I, I can't find anywhere where someone has predicted the number of pharmacist roles expected in PCN or GP land or health board land you know uh, and and they've developed over the last couple of years and continue to roll out at at a significant pace and they are attractive to pharmacists to swap sectors. Uh, Pharmacists are looking for flexibility, they're looking for a a different uh, uh, approach to their uh, clinical practice, um, and and we we know that the healthcare system is changing and demanding a different workforce model too. It's you know, and and quite simply, pharmacy as a profession has not kept ahead of that change. To be honest, Richard, I don't think. Uh, and but but I like the fact that pharmacy has the opportunity to embrace new roles in a healthcare system. I think that's a really good thing to do. That's exciting, um, and workforce can be a driver or an enabler of that change Um, and usually we have a vision for for the future and you can plan the workforce to enable that vision Uh, but i don't think we have that vision especially in england and without it it's quite difficult to forecast workforce requirements from both numbers and capability and that's why i think we're leading to a crisis and that's why i think that uh, pharmacists are sector swapping um, and and seeing perhaps what they f- believe is a, a more attractive role in a primary care uh, sector than community pharmacy. What I'd love to see is uh, bringing some of that work, that clinical work that, you know, uh, perception or not, is happening in, in primary care into community pharmacy in a collaborative way, in a dynamic system. So it's not so siloed as we're uh, perhaps experiencing and seeing now.
0: So are there any answers then to what is a pretty immediate problem? And as you say, Mark, uh, it was interesting that Community Pharmacy Scotland called for a temporary stop of the recruitment of pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to general practice roles. Um, restricting career choices is a, is a pretty drastic step. Should something similar happen in England? Well,
1: I, I certainly think that uh, England and Wales and Northern Ireland need to look at it because it's it's not a thing that is only going to affect uh, Scotland um, f- f- firstly I, I, I don't think we should do anything that would stifles innovation uh, or development of the profession though you know I meet so many new pharmacists and they're excited to use the skills they've gained in university and through their pre-reg year, you know, and and we need to find a way to encourage that. That's really important. And and employers have a big responsibility here. So I'm talking to myself, as well as universities and commissioners and negotiators and things, you know, let's enable the utilisation of that knowledge rather than put barriers up. Um, But we do need a vision which perhaps maps out this future so that we can plan for it and forecast the workforce needed for that future Um, because it takes a long time to grow pharmacists uh, uh, or independent prescribers or pharmacy technicians uh, and we need a corresponding long-term plan for that workforce too Um, and we simply haven't got that Uh, in, in the workforce uh, development group that I, I, I chair, uh, which is across MPA and CCA and, uh, and AIM as well, we talk about three Cs. We talk about uh, capacity, capability, and culture. Uh, we need to release capacity. Uh, pharmacies and their teams are very busy people. I'm sure you know that, Richard, and, and hear from them all the time. But how do we increase time and space for them to do the patient-facing, value adding? Uh, um, activities that they want to do you you know you could you could add more funding Uh, you could uh, remove workload through technology or regulation change you could you could uh, utilize the pharmacy team differently Uh, but we have to release capacity to enable change Um, and we talk about capability you know we need to ensure that developing a pharmacy uh, technicians and pharmacists, uh, or independent prescribers, um, so that we can fully maximise the people who work in a pharmacy, so they're doing the right thing to their role, and I think that's uh, increasingly important going forward. And then, and then from a cultural point of view, we need to do that in a caring and compassionate and emp- empathic way. Um, you know, our, our profession is in healthcare. Uh, And therefore, it should all be about care and uh, and compassion, and we can't lose sight of that either. Um, uh, But but sometimes I think we we do and have, uh, and it's important that we uh, look after our uh, uh, teams, our pharmacy teams, so that they can be best placed to look after the patients that they they care for too.
0: A lot of reports um, that we're covering at the moment of, of pharmacies, closing um, because they're unable to, to find um, community pharmacists to, to man them. Um, do you operate a policy of part closures at Boots? In, in exceptional circumstances
1: we have some of our pharmacists perhaps that are unable to um, finish a shift but we don't have a policy of, of part closures. Uh, we have a deployment team which are fantastic in ensuring that we have a continuity of service across our Pharmacists. I'm not saying it's easy. It's it's increasingly difficult. But uh, uh, we uh, f- think it's vitally important that we maintain a continuity of service in all of our pharmacies, and that w- that's what we try to do, and, and have been uh, very successful in doing that throughout a, a pandemic, which has put lots of pressures, and, and uh, through a summer which. Uh, has been affected by uh, uh, self-isolation rules and holidays and, and, and other matters, as, as you well know. So, uh, no, no policy. Um, but uh, I wouldn't say that in uh, very rare, thankfully rare occasions, that we've we've had to do uh, innovative things to maintain service.
0: What would you say to those critics who would maintain that shortages is all about poor working conditions? And, and companies refusing to pay high locum rates.
1: Well, well, like I said, I, I, it, workforce and uh, f- forecasting is is a complex, complex area. Um, and and some people will uh, want to change sectors uh, for personal reasons and go to different areas of to practice uh, either in hospital or. A primary care uh, gp land or or indeed community pharmacy of, of of course too and that that would be personal and specific to them uh, i think community pharmacy needs to be uh, attractive i think the future for pharmacy is in community uh, and in uh, is in primary care and closer to patients we make a huge difference we've made a huge difference through The pandemic and and, uh, demonstrated our value to a healthcare system which needed us. And uh, and I think that's really exciting. Uh, And and I want to see uh, a a, a thriving sector that people are desperately uh, wanting to practice their skills uh, in a generalist way, in a more clinical way, in our pharmacies. Uh, and, And that's part of the work of the Workforce Development Group. Collectively, we want to see community pharmacies successful and we need to perhaps be better at, uh, at telling the story of how community pharmacy does make a huge positive difference into many uh, thousands of people's lives that come to visit us on a day-to-day basis.
0: So let's talk about the pandemic, Mark. Um, your managing director, Seb James, got into hot water uh, for saying that primary care more or less disappeared during the pandemic. I and mean, we later apologised for this. Some might say he was, he was absolutely right. Um, but what impressed you most about how your pharmacy teams dealt with the pandemic? and are you ready for what's probably going to be a difficult flu season?
1: Well, you're right, community pharmacy has been amazing as on on whole is on the whole, there's been so many brilliant stories of care over the last 18 months and this is what Seb was trying to say. Uh, in uh, the BBC interview he was uh, highlighting the amazing work and the additional, uh, workload that our community pharmacies have coped with in providing this amazing care uh, to communities up and down uh, the, the UK um, and it was in the context of a clearly a you know, desperately difficult time for for people in and uh, the country um, one of the one of the best things of of uh, being in this role is to hear these amazing stories of uh, our pharmacists and and, and patient care um, uh, and the impact on people's lives um, and it's been even clearer over the last 18 months to be honest Richard Um, you know our our teams have genuinely been amazing I I always remember uh, a pharmacist called Emma Um, it's a really simple story but it'll stick with me forever I'm sure uh, where uh, she works up in the northeast and uh, one of her patients uh, an elderly gentleman uh, really struggled Uh, with loneliness and isolation in the the early lockdowns, but he always missed a Thursday night quiz night in his local pub. So Emma, uh, uh, once she finished work, she used to go home and and, uh, Zoom him in or FaceTime him in and do a quiz for him, just her and him. Uh, And uh, uh, you see so many different uh, examples of just going beyond this care that was clearly evident um across the pandemic uh, and and it's you know it's fantastic to to see and i'm sure people will look back in years to come at this period of time and and i hope they genuinely realize the positive impact that they've had um on the healthcare system which was facing the biggest crisis that they've seen and, and how community pharmacy has played the, a significant role in in helping the country navigate a pandemic um that we're currently in i guess. Uh, I, I remember clearly a, um, a telephone call early on in the pandemic about uh, from government um, requesting help on Covid testing um, and, and within half an hour of that conversation we, we had assembled a team to look at how we would stand up a drive-through system um, to test and we did that within five days in, in Nottingham and only last week we, we have uh, reached the three million test mark in our drive through locations you know and similarly with covid vaccinations now at uh, seven hundred thousand across england wales and northern ireland uh, and that's such a significant achievement and and demonstrates i think what a uh, what an amazing resource the government has at their disposal in helping uh, in the midst of a crisis and hopefully they'll see how um, pharmacy can help in a post-pandemic healthcare system which will have significant challenges that community pharmacy can provide solutions for and, and as the winter period sort of ahead, uh, as you say, that that will bring challenges too. You know, COVID continues; it's definitely not over. Um, changes to the primary healthcare system that uh, has happened and continue. Uh, COVID booster programs, this flu program, which is undoubtedly, as you say, going to be the biggest program that community pharmacy has ever uh, delivered, and new challenges in the wider healthcare system as. as Uh, such as long COVID or mental ill health or uh, an increase in new presentations or late presentation in cancer symptoms. There there are plenty of things that uh, will um, need uh, community pharmacy to adapt and change and uh, address in a a post-pandemic new healthcare system as we go ahead.
0: That was a lovely story uh, about Emma and I'm sure as you say, replicated up and down the country. Pharmacy's been absolutely magnificent during COVID. Um, and perhaps we can come back to some of the um, the progressive things that pharmacy might do, if suitably funded, I guess, going forward. Um, perhaps we return to that a little later on, Mark. Now, changing tack completely, you said something very interesting to me off-air before we started, um, that you were concerned that empathy – In pharmacy empathy in pharmacy could be disappearing Um, what did you mean by that well well
1: I'm um, I'm fascinated by the concept of empathy actually to be honest I've been even more interested with it during the pandemic Um, the psychology of why people do things uh, and why people don't do things I guess really and 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 whether or not it's declining in community pharmacy empathy but um, I actually think it's declining across society as a whole but that's a whole Different podcast series for you there, Richard. I think, but um, uh, but we're charged with delivering patient-focused care. That's what we are asked to do, and, and patients want kindness, warmth, empathy from their healthcare provider. And, and I'm fascinated about what extent uh, we deliver uh, to that end, and what you know, if any. Um, that impact has had on us as healthcare professionals in doing so because i think there's a big link between the provision of empathy and uh, burnout which i'm seeing more and more of in in community pharmacy um a couple of weeks ago i was working alongside a pharmacist and got into a really good conversation about care which made me think about empathy and compassion particularly. Um, the vast majority of pharmacists that I meet, vast, vast majority, um, really want to care for their patients, you know, to understand their needs and to help them. Uh, and this pharmacist said to me that she, f- she felt she cared too much uh, and 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 uh, it it struck me when she said it you know i do see pharmacists that struggle to balance what is a very demanding job an increasingly demanding job with their desire to care and be compassionate and it seems to impact them individually uh, and and hurt them and this pharmacist was like that and and subsequently decided to step down four days a week for example you know and and i others others i see still have this care and desire of course uh, but they know that they have to shut off them uh, to protect themselves from being hurt uh, and therefore they shut off for good reason uh, their empathy um, and i think you can you can learn and, uh about empathy and 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 how you need to you know i think people need to manage empathy and being em- empathic but but being empathic also takes time and something that pharmacy as well as across uh, their healthcare systems as a whole really uh is is something we're short of um so so i am i am fascinated by it and I look out for it uh and and particularly when it looks to uh when it comes to mental ill health with our healthcare professionals and and, and burnout if if you if you ask a psychologist they they'll talk about three different types of empathy you know a cognitive empathy uh which is simply predicting how other people feels and what they might be thinking And, and i think a lot of pharmacists do this because it's done at an intellectual level and you can, you can do it a step removed, but it can feel quite cold uh, and, and quite detached. And then there's this emotional empathy, and this is where I think burnout comes in, uh, which is you just, uh, you know, the, the emotions of a person are contagious and they can be very overwhelming, and continuous emotional empathy can, like I say, burn, uh, burn people out. Uh, and, but there is something called compassionate empathy, a type of empathy that we could strive for, that where we understand patients or a person's predicament and feel with them, uh, but we are moved to help if needed. And, and, and that's the type of empathy uh, uh, that, that is needed and is a powerful balance between the two. But it, I, I guess when it comes to empathy, and this is the wider point, it's not just burnout that makes me reflect on empathy. Um, compassionate and empathic leadership is an important uh, element of moving the profession on. We have to understand other people's perspectives and where they've come from to make progress in our profession. Uh, and if there's one thing that frustrates me about the profession of pharmacy is how fragmented we are. Uh, we only have a, a finite amount of energy and we use significant proportions of that as, as far as I can see in discussing and challenging and arguing internally to the profession. You know. Uh, uh, and I'm, you know, I am in danger of doing a, a Rob-style rant about pharmacy voice, uh, but, but how, how we seek to understand each other, what concerns us, what unites us in an empathic way, will surely put us in a better place for the future, you know, and I'm not necessarily pointing the finger here, you know, I need to change, uh, I know Boots needs to change, I, uh, employers need to change, you know, but we have to show empathy and understanding and importantly, I believe, kindness. To progress the profession
0: that's really interesting mark that's that's fascinating um which leads me to to a few questions I guess what what do you do at Boots to support the mental well-being of your your teams
1: this is this is uh, really important it's certainly become sharper recently um, but it has been an under long-term underlying issue I think you know, that we have to address. Uh, I see it in other areas of healthcare, uh, not just pharmacy. Um, and we do need to support our pharmacy teams better. Uh, and we've done lots and lots in this space, um, but you just can't become complacent on it. Uh, we have to do better and, and keep it in the forefront of our, our work. We, we, we focus on five ways to well-being, uh, we work closely with the RPS on their well-being activities and pharmacist support of course um, we have mental first aiders um, across our organization now uh, we focused on pre-regs in their formative years we think that's really important and, and the provisional registrants and, and, and the foundation pharmacists of course we have toolkits at, uh, to support online and and in other sort of channels and, and regularly talk to pharmacy teams and, and build capability in their leaders as well. On how to manage and look out for their well-being, it's a vitally vitally important element um, element of that. Uh, and and I also notice that um, uh, f- uh, pharmacy teams are m- reporting more interventions with the public who are at a mental health crisis. Uh, we recently did some work on this. You know, our pharmacists deal with a, a suicidal patient roughly once a day across our pharmacies, um, significantly more than previously reported, and that takes. Its toll on our pharmacy teams too, you know. I and and all of my uh, team are mental health first aiders and have been for a number of years now, and 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 that's something which I think is really important, increasingly important. And 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 they know that, uh, or any of the pharmacy teams can access that support at, at at any time.
0: We could talk about this for a lot longer. That was that was, as I say, really interesting, Mark. Um, but obviously. Uh, a lot that you're doing at Boots to look after uh, your, the mental health of your teams and I, and I suppose I hadn't thought of, I think pharmacists and pharmacy teams are naturally empathetic really as the story you said about Emma earlier on demonstrated but I must admit I hadn't thought of empathy in terms of management within that so that's, that's given me some, some food for thought and what about the future then, Mark? I mean, we, we've had the announcement now about year three of the contractual framework in England and some some good news in there about service development, um, but nothing really about addressing pharmacy's severe funding shortfall. And meanwhile, uh, Community Pharmacy in Wales and Scotland seems to be going down a much more progressive path, especially with regards to things like prescribing and dealing with minor ailments as part of the NHS. So what's your take on all of this?
1: Well, I'm I'm in a a privileged position that I can see across the devolved nations, and and I'm quite excited for the future, actually, in all all nations across the UK. um, I'm I'm positive about the future. Yes, it's disappointing about the funding, and we need to address that. Uh, But that's a continual underlying uh, element of of how we negotiate with with government. We we definitely need a vision in, in England, particularly, I think, when you see the vision of excellence in in uh, Scotland and delivering a healthier Wales uh, obviously in the in the Welsh government i think these are great documents which give a foundation and a focus for the profession to uh, go after uh, and and i certainly see uh, progress in in the devolved nations what what interests me the most is when i go out and visit our pharmacies uh, talking to the pharmacists themselves in those devolved nations we have done a lot of work in in trying to understand how they feel about practicing uh, in those devolved nations uh, and and when i meet scottish pharmacists they seem to be far more settled and content about uh, uh, how they uh, deliver their patient care and and the capability and opportunities they have of delivering cap- uh, uh, their patient care in their contractual framework than than i do when i meet an english pharmacist, for example but I'm sure, that'll, I'm sure that'll come um, because I think workforce is, is vitally important and, and engagement of workforce and inspiring them on a vision I think is, is a vitally important thing that government and others, you know, employers and professional bodies can do both from pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. Uh, but it's about capacity, like I said before, and it's about funding uh, clearly. Um, what, what interests me uh, is prescribing I see a, a significant future in that of course we've got some new ph- pharmacy services coming up uh, building on the pharmacy quality scheme in, in England around hypertension and smoker cessation later on uh, uh, you know, in the new year and, and they are exciting but are they transformational you know, will they set pharmacy, community pharmacy in a different way in the future I'm not so sure what we need is is prescribing to take hold in England. Uh, we we have in Boots, uh, you know, over 400 prescribers now, and uh, we are uh, learning from Scotland and learning from Wales through the Chronic uh, Conditions Pharmacy Plus service in in uh, uh, Scotland and, and and also the uh, brilliant work and brilliant progression that the delivering a healthier Wales have been uh, up to in. in uh, in, in Wales with prescribing and their ambition around prescribing across community pharmacy that's exciting and, and I, I meet lots of pharmacists that are excited in using the, the, those prescribing skills which of course will become commonplace from uh, 2026 going forward uh, so, so utilization of prescribers uh, and that capability in community pharmacy uh, is going to be an interesting thing to watch over the next 5 years I would say only 5% of community pharmacists have that capability according to the survey that the workforce development group has done earlier in this year we need to increase that we need to ensure that uh, pharmacists are, uh, are capable of prescribing and then have the opportunity under the contractual framework to uh, prescribe and that's I- important and and I think you know we can provide solutions to a lot of the challenges that the healthcare system is facing and will face in a post pandemic world by utilization of of prescribing community pharmacy so that's what's exciting me and 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 I hope that we uh, we accelerate that change over the next couple of years
0: yes it it seems to be in 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 Wales and Scotland prescribing is seen as the key to unlocking pharmacists clinical Capability, um, and it's interesting. You you say you've got four hundred prescribers within Boots, but how many of those are actually able to use their skills?
1: Um, yes, and an, a number of those uh, prescribers work under an NHS contractual framework, and it's it's great to see uh, and learn from. Uh, a number of those prescribers uh, work in. Uh, a, a a private way um uh, online prescribing for example uh and a number of those prescribers work for us and also work part of their week in a portfolio way in in a gp practice or a pcn or a ccg for example and i think uh, uh from a workforce point of view uh, we're looking to embrace that portfolio hybrid approach uh going forward and i think that that's something that uh you know Uh, our pharmacists want we have a number of roles which have a foot in you know gp land as well as boots in in community pharmacy Uh, and we're learning from that we want to encourage more of that Uh, and i think that that's quite exciting too i recently talking to a a a ccg interestingly about uh, how we can have more of these roles which has a foot in in uh, both camps and exploring this hybrid sort of Uh, Approach. Um, And they were interestingly asking me to place one of their pharmacists, CCG pharmacist, in one of our pharmacies uh, to do their work. Um, But it was driven by a lack of space at the surgery. It was an estate's problem Mm -hmm. um, uh, that they wanted to resolve. And, you know, I long for the day that the opportunity to link community pharmacy and primary care pharmacists and CCGs uh, is seen as just the right thing to do for patient care, not to solve estates. Uh, Because I think a a, a collaborative, uh, dynamic way of of, uh, addressing some of the uh, very valuable work that our GP pharmacist colleagues and pharmacy technician colleagues do in that primary care layer is, is the ambition to be more integrated and, and collaborative. And I, and I hope that the uh, ICS uh, and the ICBs will uh, provide a platform uh, and a framework that we can be more collaborative across this primary care sector.
0: Well, we can't have a conversation, Mark, without touching on the rugby. So just a quick yes or no uh, answer for this, please. Can Wales retain the Six Nations title?
1: Of course they will, Richard. I have no idea why you're asking that. <laughs> um, we'll get hammered in the autumn by New Zealand and every every other person, but we can always hope, can't we, Richard?
0: We can. I must admit, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to going back to the Principality Stadium for that for that New Zealand match. Uh, it's been it's been way way too long. Um, we'd better wrap things up there. Um, there's so much more we could have talked about, but Mark, that was that was really interesting. Um, Great insight and some fascinating thoughts there. Thank you for sharing them with us. Um, and thank you again for, for coming onto the podcast. My thanks once again to Mark Donovan for that thoughtful and insightful conversation. Don't forget you could get in touch with us with your thoughts and comments via email pm at 1530.com or our Twitter feed using the hashtag. Talking Pharmacy. And a reminder that all the In Conversation with interviews are on the Pharmacy Magazine website. The Talking Pharmacy podcast will return next week, but for now, thanks very much for listening.